Welcome to The Missing Link by Lincoln Leeds. This podcast believes many people struggle with barriers to access and help, but together we want to normalise these barriers and open up a conversation to help everyone feel better. We're going to be speaking with a variety of people and learning from their experiences of well-being. So let's get started. Hello, Bill, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ethan. How are you? I'm really good. It's really, really good to see you. Really good to have you on. And obviously, we've known each other a little while now. But for our yeah. listeners, you know, who who is Bill, and 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 why do you think you're here today? Yeah, well, I'm one of the ops directors at Barker Leeds, and my responsibilities around uh, the health and employment side of the work that they do. So that includes obviously the linking lead social prescribing service. It's involved stuff uh, through the pandemic around contact tracing and community hub stuff. It's also the employment side of it. We've got WorkWell that works with young people with mental health, trying to get them back into work and stronger families working with families. And um, I kind of feel that there's something forgotten in, in amongst all the things I've just mentioned. And there's the Better Together work as well, which is a community-based work as well as trying to kind of help improve the health of communities, basically, in the most deprived communities in Leeds and Prior to that, I was very much involved with drugs and alcohol work um, and involved with forward leads for a number of years. Yeah, and, and you obviously it's all really, which I think was a very challenging task. So many different things working together and, and kind of overlapping. How, how does that kind of work for you on a, on a day-to-day basis? It, it's, it's interesting and it's good. I mean, it's really it's, it's a really interesting field, I think. And I think kind of health is really, really interesting and I suppose... You know, my background till about a year ago was more within the drugs and alcohol, but but the, the 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 it's all around kind of similar overarching themes. And if you look at any of this stuff, a lot of these things are things around people's kind of um, mental health, around um, their social networks, their backgrounds, how they've been brought up, what might have happened to them in you know their their, their experiences through childhood and into adulthood. So there's lots of kind of overarching themes that run through this and kind of sort of impact on people, how they develop, how they cope with things in life. It seems to have that through line of mental health and well-being, regardless of challenges. It all seems to link back to being healthy, both mentally and physically. Yeah, and, and I think there's lots of things around trying to find balance, I suppose, really, with, with, with how you are and what you do. You know, and some people can be, in a, in a sense luckier than others in, in that the, their kind of life has thrown less at them and other people if you've had a lot thrown at you in life you might not learn how to kind of cope with those things as well or you you might have kind of brought been brought up in environments where you kind of just see negative ways to cope or negative ways to sort of manage things and that kind of impacts on how you manage situations through life as well so so I think there's you know there's a number of different things that can impact on how you develop and cope as well through life. That coping that really makes difference and people often don't know how to do that and need to learn or, or practice that and it doesn't come to natural to everyone and depending where we come from and our experiences it really does shape how we respond to, to these hardships in life is there anything that you feel you've seen in terms of like trends coming forward in, in you know 2022 or, or the past couple of years I, th- I think it's it's a really interesting period we're coming into I mean obviously if we look at kind of the last two years, you know, obviously we've had the pandemic and I think that's kind of shaping a lot of, I suppose, kind of, you know, particularly with younger people, their experiences and, and speaking of somebody who's who's got two kids at high school, you know, the impact on them, how they kind of see 
well, well, their childhood experiences, let's say, compared to mine, where, where you know, they've had long periods out of school. It's affected things like socialising and their ability to get out and about. And then on top of that, recently, you think about kind of sort of anxieties in life. You, you know, there's a there's a war going on in another country that's sort of, you know, in Ukraine at the moment that, you know, I know when that started, my daughter asked me, you know, is this the start of World War Three? And there's potential sort of anxieties there. So so I think coming we're coming out of a sort of a very, well, we're not even coming out of it. We're coming through a challenging period. And, and that's naturally having impacts on people's lives. And there's lots of demands on services as well, where particularly for young young people, you, you can be on a waiting list to get seen to have, have stuff dealt with. When you are young, that's a long time to wait. You, you know, you don't want to be waiting. You want to address these things as soon as possible. So, so I think, you know, and that's not to do services a, a discredit. You know, I think there's lots of great services out there that, that work hard. But it's just trying to kind of, I suppose, kind of convey that, you know, I think it is very, very challenging for young people at the moment where, you know, it's been a really kind of stressful couple of years, really. And I think that's going to impact on young people going forward. And we see it in, in things like the work well work that we're doing. We're trying to work with people with mental health, trying to get them back into work. They do see people who have, I suppose, kind of higher level mental health needs than we might have anticipated. Or and part of that's maybe because they've come to us. And once you get to know people and get to assess them, like you do in Linking Leads a little bit, they might have something that presents on the surface. But when you kind of get underneath that, you find there's more deep rooted issues or deep rooted things that you need to sort of address, really, that, that will kind of help them progress, really. Yeah, certainly. I mean, those deeper issues are always there. I can see how people will take those deep rooted anxieties that just be amplified as for what's going on yeah. and really need that, that support, especially, as you say, young people who might not necessarily feel as if they know what's going to happen next or have that kind of experience of, of safety in, in these kind of trying times. Yeah, and I think that's amplified a little bit. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's hard enough. And I know it kind of it's often an idyllic, and we all look back to our childhood as idyllic years. But then, you, you know, watching my kids grow up and you kind of realise some of the challenges as, for, for kids as, as they grow up where... dealing with different kind of friendships groups different kind of you know being unsure of yourself and who you are in the world and you know comparing yourself to your friends or other people and and that kind of things and then you throw on top of that kind of like things like the pandemic where you say they've been stuck at home for a couple of or not stuck on for a couple of years but they've had periods where they've been stuck at home more throw things like social media on that where things can escalate and get out of hand very easily and even just I suppose even just that with with technology, where where I, th- I think really probably there's good things, but there's also lots of bad things to technology and mobile phones. And I say I say this more as a parent, where I'm forever kind yeah. of telling my kids to put the phones down, basically and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, technology nowadays is amazing and really does provide us with the opportunity for connection, but also sometimes it's that that almost sense of misinformation that sometimes in terms of the other way can be can be really challenging and i think that's why services like ours linking leads and, and work well yeah. are important for reconnecting people with with people and using those tools to push people forward yeah well no, i totally agree and i think as well that you, you can't replace kind of being in a room with somebody ultimately i think and i think you know, much as technology can bridge gaps and you can sort of, let's say, you know, FaceTime family members through pandemics or kind of use things like Zoom to sort of have meetings and things like that. And even within the workplace, you know, I think it's great on, on lots of levels. And I think 
technology. I think I think the pandemic has pushed services forward in embracing technology. But again, I think it's finding a balance where it can be useful. But but it, you know, if I was to sit at home here five days a week forever, I think it probably do my my head in basically. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I like to get yeah. out. I like to see people face to face. I like to be in an environment with my colleagues. You know, it can be great, and I can get a lot done at home, and I can get a lot done in front of the computer. And as, so I think I think with kind of technology, uh, there's some good things about it. But I think as well, it, it can be a double edged sword, really. But like I say, you, you can't you can't replace, I suppose, being in a room with somebody or speaking to somebody face to face, I think, ultimately. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that connection is, is really important and that human interaction. I mean, that takes us nicely into our our main kind of golden questions, which were, they, these were created by some, some ex, ex patients, some ex clients of the service and felt yeah. like something that helps represent, you know, the, the crutch of the, of the topic really. And, and the first question for that is what does mental health or happiness look like to, to you? And, and that could be you personally or, or people you work with. What do you think that, that looks like? I mean, I think that's it's a very good question because often mental health is talked about or the, the phrase is associated kind of negatively, isn't it really? But there's lots of positive mental health out there. And in a sense, we all have mental health. And a number of years ago, there's a psychiatrist that worked, was at Ford Lees and he talked about kind of how, how often terms that are used to describe mood or, or kind of clinical medical terms have been adopted kind of into sort of everyday language. So we talked about yeah. being depressed, we talked about being anxious. Whereas it's quite natural to feel low sometimes. It's quite natural to have bad moods and it's quite natural to feel a bit sort of stressed in situations. So, so I think mental health is, 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 um, you know, for me personally, that there's a sort of certain level of kind of, uh, I suppose, I suppose kind of my everyday functioning that's sort of on a, on a level where I'm neither kind of good nor bad mood and it kind of, it will go up and down in relation to that. And I might have, days or weeks or periods where you just take on sort of things negatively and you're feeling quite sort of stressed or or it might be there's a lot on at work and that kind of plays on your mind and it might impact on sleep and there's other times where you might be thinking actually you know that's working really well that's you know good in my life and, and you might feel good and I think that's quite natural to have that and to have those kind of balances where we all to varying degrees have good days and bad days and and kind of feel quite blessed in a lot of ways that that I kind of feel that there's a generally a level I return to that that is don't really like using the phrase but sort of a, a kind of normal level where I'm sort of feel yeah. quite okay in myself and for other people mental health you know particularly people come in touch with our services you know it's either more entrenched or, or kind of more, more kind of an illness more more kind of innate within them or even just sort of prolonged and, you know, whether that is through, you know, kind of just periods of isolation and being on their own where, you you know, that might kind of have a long-term impact on your mood or it could be sort of through things like the, the environment you're living in where, you, you know, you might be in, a, in an unhappy relationship, in an unhappy environment, you might have lost your job, you might, I don't know, be drinking or using drugs and those kind of all have sort of longer-term impacts on mood and, and you know, that can be a trigger to sort of more long-term issues, basically. An idea, a sense of, of balance and recognizing who you are and where is that. I, I know we said uh, maybe not the best phrasing that kind of normal, normal for you and where that lies and, and what that means for you. So I think people often strive for that, those highs and, and those happiness and then ignore the lows and, and, and think, well, no, I don't need to go for a run because that just makes me less anxious. I need to actually do this and, and, and work or push, push higher. But it's actually about a bit of bit of balance, a bit of both from from sounds of it. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. It's, it's trying to kind of find balance, and I think sometimes as well, you know, some things can be quite short term and, and transient, and you know, you kind of can work through some things. Some things might be longer term and have a have a longer term impact, and I think it's then, you know, so so short term, you, you might know that right. You know, let's say, for example, going for a run or something like that, that's going to make me feel better. That'll take my mind off things. So, you know, you might have had a hard week at work and there might be things like that you, you, you need to do to kind of work through things. There might be kind of more longer term things. You know, it could be a bereavement or it could be a number of things that sort of impact on you. And and then it might need sort of more, I suppose, kind of more work in a sense to kind of work through. You might need to kind of look at the way you think about situations, the way you sort of, you know, so so there's some activities that might kind of lift your mood or just doing things might lift your mood rather than staying at home, but also kind of trying to work through a situation and trying to sort of, you know, I suppose that's, you know, people talk about things like cognitive behavioural therapy and it's, you know, some of it is about the behaviour, some of it's about what you do, the, the, the activity you're involved in, some of it is about your thinking and I think particularly when things are more long-term and the, the, the thinking can kind of spiral more negatively, that that becomes more of a challenge to turn the thinking around, let's say. You know, you can look at it that, you know, okay, me partner's left me, 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 one of my parents has died, something like that, or, you know, I've not got a job. And if things start adding up, then it can become quite negative and you really do have to sort of kind of pull those things back and just really sort of think differently as well. Yeah, definitely. And balance of the, the maintenance that we need to do for ourselves and, and the long term growth that we need to aim for as well. I mean, that, that takes us on to probably the other side of that coin and, and explaining, you know, what are some of the common barriers that people face when, you know, seeking help for these things? I mean, what kind of things have, have you seen from, from the people you've supported or, or the, the services I've supported in the past? I think sometimes it's about knowing what services are out there. I think primarily for some people as well, it's kind of knowing when they've got a problem and knowing that the support there for them. And sometimes people don't like to admit they've got a problem or that they might need help. Or even it's not necessarily admitting it's a problem, but it's admitting that there's places that can maybe sort of port you basically, really. And then people often don't like to get help. And when I say that, I think that there's a threshold people might cross when it's more obvious but I think kind of early on and it's often if you address these things early on you know that there's things that can be done more readily really but I suppose it's trying to kind of sort of recognize when you might need support and secondly I think it's kind of knowing where to go and often you you know to to the out my front window and just look at the houses across the road probably half the people that that live in my neighborhood wouldn't know you know, let's say that there is a social prescribing service in yeah. Leeds or something like that, you know, until you might go to your doctor. And by the time you've gone to your doctor, you're normally further down the, the route of sort of, let's say, recognising the problem. And I think the, the, the things like that, that there's also kind of the accessibility of things as well. So it's making sure that services are accessible. And when we talk about accessibility, I think it's having things at times and places that are convenient for them and, and also... um feeling comfortable that you can go into places as well you know and again i think that's one of the things with the with the pandemic that's been positive to a degree is that we some things have become more accessible because we recognize things like phone working and and you know zoom or whatsapp as, as yeah, kind of more yeah. more kind of um creditable kind of ways of, of communicating with us beforehand and no one's at forward leads we used to sort of discourage people from from let's say doing too many appointments on the phone because you really felt you needed that one-to-one communication but I know circumstances where people said if it hadn't 
if I'd had to come in, I would never have made it across the door. Whereas being able to do this over the phone has actually really been beneficial, you know, because I've actually felt comfortable doing it. So, so I think there's things like that about accessibility, you know, also kind of things like pressures on services and waiting times. And I know this is a big issue. And, uh, you know, I know most services out there or lots of us out there are working absolutely flat out and at capacity and have yeah, kind of sense. got really good staff that, that are wanting to do the best for their the, the service users that come and see them. And I think, you know, it's frustrating for people to have to wait for services and it's more around the the resources and that's often, you know, a, you know, there's a finite amount of resource out there, you know, so, so, so I think everybody does the try and the best to meet people's needs. But, but, you know, if you are met with, with a waiting list or having time to wait, sometimes your motivation can drop off and that can affect, you know, whether you're going to engage with that service, what you might think about that service, etc. So I think that there's a number of obstacles out there, really. Yeah, and I agree with, with everything you said there. I think, especially for social prescribing, the key concept is is about accessibility and knowledge. In terms yeah. of, of people connecting with other people and, and sharing their stories, what do you think would would be a barrier for, for that, for just kind of connecting with, with other people, if not uh, professional services? For connecting with other people, I, I mean, I, th- I think there's a lot about just kind of um, building that relationship, isn't there, really? I, th- I think, you, you know, as a worker or if you are doing one-to-one work, I mean, it's a number of years since I used to do sort of kind of client-facing work, and I suppose one of the things that I kind of learned to remember kind of um, going one course, it talked very much about kind of that therapeutic relationship, really, which which often had a bigger impact on, on the outcomes for the person than any kind of sort of treatments or whatever else. You know, you could do all your your CBT, your motivational interview or whatever else. But it was often about the relationship that you develop as a worker with that with that client that, that can impact the outcomes um, as much as anything else. And I think it's, so, so there's so much about being, building that trusting relationship. And some of that comes through, you, you know, the, the manner of the person that, that's doing the work or, um, you know, you know, experiences coming in. And when I say experience, I don't mean to sort of I mean to say that people uh, who don't have experience can't do it. I, I mean, more. It's about that kind of that confidence, developing the skills, developing that confidence through sort of, you know, experience. And that's why often people want to get into this line of work. Things like volunteering can be really, really useful just so you can start developing some of those skills and, and some of that experience as well. So I think it's just some of that is is really, really important. Just kind of knowing how to put people at ease, building that trust, being honest with people. And, you know, when I say being honest, it's just sort of, you, you know, managing people's expectations and sometimes as processes that are often driven by let's say kind of whether it's data collection explaining about confidentiality explaining about you know what we're going to do with information that can quite feel sort of front-end heavy but it's learning to have those conversations in a sort of or it's learning to sort of do that in a more conversational manner and and trying to just put the person at ease basically so so there's some things like that I think that are kind of really important yeah and I think that is is something that we as professionals can sometimes lose sight of and we forget that these are people's stories and narratives and lives. Yeah. And sometimes we want to try to, because we care really, we want to try and problem solve and help people. But there is a key element of just recognizing where people have come from and then recognizing the journey they've been on before, before we jump in and, and try to, to fix things and, and change things. In terms of, uh, of today, you know, we, we're coming close to the end of, of our session, Bill, and I, I thank you so much for the expertise and, and knowledge. I wondered if you wanted to just maybe plug some of the services that 
you have out there or if there's anything else you want to kind of pile there as like a final thought to anyone that might be listening. Yeah, well, I think just just one thing that is interesting talking about mental health coming up is, you know, the, there is this kind of new agenda around mental health transformation that's coming across, uh, coming up in the city. And I know there's work we're doing that kind of involves that around kind of working with people who are more complex and there's going to be stuff developing across the city in the next few years, trying to bring in more voluntary sector services to work as kind of part of that mental health framework. And we're going to be working, piloting some of that in West Leeds. Touchstone are going to be doing a pilot in the Hatch area of Leeds. And you've got um, North Point doing it in LSMP and Light area. So yes. there's going to be sort of developments in, in those kind of pieces of work. And, and like I say, you know, I, th- I think there's lots of, you know, outside of the statutory sector service providers, like, you know, people often kind of think, right, I've got to my GP. There is lots of good sort of support out there in the voluntary sector across Leeds. You know, you look at every community often has sort of different sort of services and some of it might be as simple as just trying to connect with other people. Some of it might be kind of mental health kind of focal support networks services out there that might kind of not be as apparent but that can support people with the mental health so it's worth looking locally as well for support yeah so just looking looking everywhere being open-minded trying to see what's what's across the entire service because as you said Leeds as a as a city is working hard to try and, and support people from every angle and, and there is things out there that just need to be as we said earlier people just need to be aware of it they just need the accessibility of it and and the rest is is hopefully a, a little bit easier again thank you so much for for coming on bill it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you really well thank you ethan you know i really appreciate it and you know yeah thanks for all your hard work as well so yeah brilliant take care cheers see you later bye That's it for this week. Massive thank you to our guest. So we hope to see you next time. But in the meantime, if you or someone you know needs help, then contact us at linkingleads.com. Alternatively, you can give us a call on 0113 336 7612. Thanks.